What's up, everybody? This is the show. I'm the host, Rob Blatt. Welcome to the Adult Nerd Podcast. Each week, I interview someone whose passions and desires go above and beyond your average hobby or job. I realized in previous weeks I haven't given an actual description about what the show is, just a description of who this week's nerd was going to be. Not too much to discuss in terms of the show or or me personally. Um, This week ends the road to WrestleMania and WrestleMania itself. I had a bunch of people over to the house to watch, and I've just been inundated with wrestling happening that weekend and uh, loving it. Had I been a better coordinator, I would have had some wrestling-themed episodes ready. However, episode three of the show, we're not quite there yet. A little bit of personal wrestling news, let's say. I work with a company called Capital Wrestling. You can find them at CapitalWrestling.com. I'm a referee over there. And uh, they've been getting some TV around the country. So if you live in the Chicago area or the Twin Cities area, there's a good chance that you can see me on your televisions and some some of the local channels. You can find the information on CapitalWrestling.com. Before we jump into this week's interview, again, rate, review, subscribe, all those things podcasters tell you to do. The Adult Nerd is available on iTunes, Google Play. It's pretty much everywhere that uh, podcasts are. If it isn't, you can let me know via Twitter at The Adult Nerd. But uh, in addition to theadultnerd.com, we post links to The Adult Nerd on Twitter, The Adult Nerd on Facebook. Hard to post a link to Instagram, but you can find it there. And I've got a newsletter I put out every week. Put out the newsletter on Saturday with some links to some fun stuff. And anyway, that's the old podcaster spiel. And enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. There are about a dozen things I could ask this week's nerd about, and I'm excited to have her here with me for today's show. She's a filmmaker, writer, YouTuber, has an amazing series of art on her Instagram account, and her, has an amazing series of art on her Instagram account, and is the creator and facilitator of Your Privilege is Showing. This week's nerd is Lillian Medville. Lillian, welcome to the Adult Nerd. That's me. <laughs> welcome to the show, first and foremost. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really wanted to talk to you about your privileges showing. And I can't even begin to describe this experience that you have created. So I want to back up a little bit from it before we jump right in. What made you think that you could create a game? (laughs) Um, I think... Easy question, right off the bat. Yeah, I think mostly it was total and utter ignorance. Basically, I realized I was dealing with a problem. And also I was too scared to actually deal with it head on. So my way in was to create a game to sort of hold myself and hold other people so we could go through this uncomfortable process, which is navigating real life examples of systemic oppression. And what really interests me is the ways that we impact oppression and the way that oppression impacts us. What I think is missing in conversations about social justice, particularly in sort of like white liberal environments, is the ways that we ourselves are culpable. It's very easy for us to talk about, oh, it's this people's problem, or it's like my racist uncle in Arkansas, he's the problem. Really, we're the problem, and we don't ever own that. So honestly, I just, it kind of just became a game. It wasn't even supposed to be what it is. You had approached a problem looking for the solution for it and had arrived on, it's not quite a board game, but a card game format. Mm -hmm. What is your privilege is showing, addressing? Well, 
really the purpose of the game is to provide a structure for the kinds of conversations that we generally avoid in our real lives, in our regular lives, because they're uncomfortable and because they make us feel implicated in things that we don't really want to feel responsible for. But if you can't talk about it, then you can't deal with it and you can't recognize it and you can't make it better. So the purpose of the game is basically to create this holding space for these uncomfortable conversations to make them possible and to make them productive. So you're really looking to confront this difficult conversation by creating a safe space for these conversations to happen in and safe yeah. spaces. Well, Nothing wrong with the word. It's just that it is somewhat stigmatized um, due to uh, politics, let's say. The experience of playing the game is the experience of is, is an uncomfortable experience because it's confronting in multiple ways. It's confronting within yourself and it confronts others. So sounds like a, a lovely game. I know. It's well <laughs> I know. That actually was one of my big fears when I was playtesting. I was like, is this fun? Because I just wasn't sure if it would be. It sounds terrible. And I understand that it sounds like just a super big bummer. I mean I've played I've played plenty of games, board games and, and otherwise, that are at the end of the day, you look back and you say that same question of yourself like this doesn't, I, I don't think I just, I think I, I don't think I had fun with this. I think all, all we did was we sat in front of this cardboard board for four hours and ultimately just got mad at each other and yelled. Yeah. Well, so that doesn't, that doesn't happen with your privileges showing. And basically the idea initially was that it was just going to be a game that I could sell. And then once I play tested it and then I did this pilot program at Berkeley College of Music in Boston. And that's when I realized it really has to be facilitated. It's not something as it stands right now in the format that it lives in right now. It's not something you can just buy. It's basically, it's basically become a diversity training in a game format. So as opposed to like showing up at your office for a, for a diversity training and you get a lecture or you get a history lesson, which are all valuable things. This is a chance to have an interactive experience and to more to more personally own your own biases, to reveal them and to own them. So what what is the the experience for a player, someone looking to participate in this? There's a couple different f- things that people have said that they feel playing the game. One is relief because here is a chance, here is a space that not only are you allowed to talk about the things that you don't know about and to admit the ways in which you maybe aren't so clear on feminism, or maybe you're good on sort of white feminism, but you get you get caught up on misogynoir. Um, like maybe there are some areas that you're like, I have these gaps, but I don't know how to talk about this in public or with people without being labeled a sexist asshole. People experience relief that this is a place to admit the ways that you don't, the things that you don't know. So relief is there, but it's also confronting because the onus is put on you. You have to, there's no right or wrong answer in the game. The question is, what do you think? And for a lot of people, it's the first time anyone's ever asked us, like, this thing happened. What do you think this is? Do you think it's racist or sexist or privileged? And if so, why? And why, do, why is it this kind and not this kind? It's much more based on from your own life experience as opposed to like what you think, what is the right thing to say here so you can get out of the room without anyone thinking that you're a racist asshole. 
So it's uncomfortable and it's confronting, but it's also a relief. And ultimately, it's also very fun, which I know doesn't sound realistic, <laughs> but people do laugh and they have a good time. And sometimes people cry and they, they share personal stories and they get to articulate things from their lives, maybe things that they've done or things other people have done. And it's, it's hugely cathartic. It's very fluid in that way. So as a facilitator, for me, sometimes I'm teaching a lot. Sometimes I'm providing context. Sometimes I'm protecting some people and pushing others. Sometimes there are people who are playing who just need to be hung out to dry a little bit. Maybe they need to kind of feel, feel the discomfort that they're avoiding. And it's part of my job, I think, to let them feel that and not rescue them from that. And so what are the mechanics of actually uh, participating in this experience? So every player gets nine cards. And there are race cards, sexism cards, and privilege cards. And then I've broken those down into three levels of severity. So gray cards are microaggressions. Yellow cards are something I made up called unnecessary roughness. And then red cards are like the most severe, like a red card in soccer, like you're out. So you have those cards, and then in each round, there are three separate rounds. And the rounds sort of act as a difficulty ramp. So the game gets more, more challenging as you go through. The first round, um, I will pick something, for, uh, like a real-life event, and you have to choose one of the cards, be like, what is this? Okay, so this is very overt. This week, on April 4th, a Georgia city tried to proclaim April as Confederate History Month, and then set, and the, this elected official, he's a former elected official, then used the N-word several times during a public meeting. Oh, this boy. one's the, yeah. <laughs> but this is what, the thing is that, like, these things are happening right now all the time. Like, so when I run a game, I try to show up with as much current stuff as possible. Um, because I want, I want to reiterate for people that th- these are things that are happening right now. This is not like... What would you, what kind of person would you be during the Holocaust? Would you have hidden the Jews? What kind of person would you have been during the civil rights movement? Would you, would you have marched? But now the question is like, what are you doing right now? Because these things are happening right now. So we have this example of the, this former elected official using the N-word and trying to proclaim April as the Confederate History Month. And so the question would be, is that a race card? Is that sexism card? Is that a privilege card? Is that gray, yellow, or red? And so everyone would go around the group and they would pick a card and then they would explain in their own words why they chose what they chose. So this one, I think, is what do you think this is? I mean, this certainly seems like uh, this seems like and you can only choose one card. I no, you can use two, but you have ah. to be able to back up your choice. All right. So in that case, I would use both uh, a privilege card and a racism card. Mm-hmm. privilege card i would maybe go yellow and racism i would go red why would you go would yellow be, i think I, I would go yellow on privilege because it doesn't seem inherently it seems inherently racist to start with mm-hmm. the idea of what you're celebrating has a, a severely racist past and history mm-hmm. and then on top of that well it's april so you'd Women's History Month had just ended, so it mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily just after Black History Month. But then the, I guess the use of the N-word is, now you're making me think about it, because it may be, <laughs> the use of the N-word would be in public by a former official would certainly mm-hmm. say to me that you, you 
have the privilege, you feel the privilege to use this word mm-hmm. in a public setting in a way that is not at all like there, there's no dog whistle here. It's just, just a whistle. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe I would go red on both, but my first thought would be, well, it seems more racist than privileged. Mm-hmm. So let's play that card more. I, well, I guess I guess I didn't want to not put emphasis on the racism by saying it's also as much privilege. Well, I mean, and I think that's a really interesting point. And and it's it's important when when, when I run games to remind people that it's not like choosing a worse card doesn't make you more virtuous. It's not about like bad to good. It's about levels of severity. I would probably just go with a red racism card for this. I think I would just do that. I think doing a yellow privilege card is it's in. Like that's and that's I think that's you have good reasoning for that. Is this a is this a first round question? This is a first round question, yeah. So it gets exponentially more difficult to parse is what you're saying no so so i would normally not choose something so overt in a game Mm -hmm. so what i'm more what i'm most interested in personally is the gray and the yellow cards and the gray the gray card is the microaggression card yes and i think that i think that in some way shape or form in political discourse the word microaggression has been perverted a little Mm -hmm. bit um so i'd be i'm really interested to know um how you came to use that word and what in the, in this context kind of separated from television talk shows, what this, what this means. Microaggressions. I mean, I chose microaggressions, the term, because it's a real thing. Um, like we already have, like you can look up Wikipedia, the Wikipedia articles is great uh, describing the different kinds of microaggressions. It's basically like it's the unseen oppression that we walk through. It's it's a backhanded compliment. And one of the things that I talk about with microaggressions with people is that like something can be a microaggression to you, but it can feel like a red card depending on what you've been through that day or in your life already. Just pulling up this definition because I want to bring it up. The Wikipedia article describes microaggressions as these brief everyday exchanges that send denigrating messages to individuals because of their group membership. And so, so it's almost a little systemic. In that it is. Sense. It is systemic. You know, if I was a woman in STEM and I was told continually that I don't belong there, there in one way or another. Individually, those moments are microaggressions. As a woman here, you're bringing down the, the curve or, you know, you like you're bringing down the quality of this class or you're only here because you're attractive. Or like they're these small things that when you add them up all together, they are this massive systemic thing. And there are lots of different kinds of them. What they are is these small but persistent and damaging reminders that your personhood is not, you are not as much of a person and you don't have the kind of value that another person does. If I were to go up to a black person and touch their hair without asking, like, a lot of people do that. Pe- white people do that all the time. And one of the things that's underlying that idea is that you can touch this other person's hair because they're not quite people. Like you wouldn't go up to a, sh- a white stranger and do that. There are boundaries. There are personal boundaries that we respect when we respect other people. But when we don't respect other people, we don't respect their personal boundaries because we don't really think they have them. 
I think it's one of the most important cards. People get really stuck on the red cards, but I think the gray cards are really where the game lives. I've worked in a few different newsrooms in the mm-hmm. past, and there's a, a certain weight to someone who writes the news on a daily basis or deals with the news or works with the news on a daily basis because of everything that you process that you don't necessarily write about, but everything comes in mm-hmm. and you, you know, you go through all of it and you have to have some degree of an understanding of it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is, uh, this also happens with people who work in moderation for online communities of any way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a trauma to that work of being the person who processes this information for other people's consumption. Mm-hmm. This this undertaking of yours sounds to me like you live in that space on a regular basis, but not just in terms of processing, but in also in terms of breaking it down. Mm-hmm. So what do you do to stay positive and to stay sane? This is a theme that we discuss on the show. This is an enormous sacrifice and not just in terms of your time, but in terms of the mental energy. Because I, I know you. We, we go back a lot of years. You are a, a pretty happy and positive person, optimistic. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, to live within this on a daily basis has to, has to be a, a huge anchor. Yeah, it is. And <laughs> <laughs> deep breath. <Yes>. Um, <laughs> sometimes I have to take breaks. Sometimes I can't read the news for a little while because it's just too painful. So figuring out healthy boundaries for myself is an evolving process. But I get a lot of hope out of running games with people. Watching people articulate things that they've held, articulate ideas that they've never examined and realize for the first time that they are, that if they're part of this, that means that they can make it better, is so energizing for me it's really it's really pretty thrilling to watch it change people's lives with the pilot program um i ran four games over a course of a semester and then i did interviews uh on camera interviews um a week after each gameplay and then we did a six-month follow-up with the students um just to see where they were and this was a really pivotal experience for, I would say, all of them. They had more self-awareness. They were, they also had less white fragility. So, which is a useless, useless uh, space to be in. So I get a lot of hope from that. I mean, it's when I'm feeling sick or like this past week I've been sick. So I just, it's like, it's, it's very easy to get depressed. It's very easy to feel crushed by everything. These things are ongoing, and that's awful. But I also feel like as a white person, it's not as damaging for me as it is for someone who's not white. I see it as partially my responsibility to read it and to break it down and to help other people be better. I'm on a mission to to reach you know, the, the white moderate. This game is not really made for people who are far right. You, in order to play, you have to agree to a few premises. 
And one of the rules of the game when I tell people before they play is that reverse racism doesn't exist. And that's just a rule for the game. Like if you want to play, you can't, you can't play reverse racism. It's out of bounds. And uh, you have to agree to the premise that systemic oppression exists. And if you can't agree to that, you can't really play. So this game is really made for liberals. It's for moderate um, through radical liberals because we, we have to clean up our house. So I guess like between like taking a lot of naps and like a lot of hot <laughs> baths and like Gilmore Girls is really therapeutic because it's like a world in which nothing terrible ever happens. Oh, I hate that show so much. It's a much. terrible show, but I for some that. reason I keep coming back to it. It's terrible. It's boring. It's, it's just, it's just the worst, but like, but there are no stakes. And sometimes I just need a world in which there are no stakes. <laughs> So that's, that's helpful for me. Um, I, I need, I don't want to, I don't want to go too far off topic, but I just need like 15 seconds. That show has driven me insane for years and it's not <laughs> for any, for anyone, for anyone that would dare claim that I just haven't watched it. Oh. I have seen endless amounts of these episodes and the, the thing that bothers me so much about this show and no other television program gets me going like this is there are two people in the entire world of Gilmore girls. There is the guy in town that everyone treats like has some variety of a mental illness, but forgives (laughs) it and literally the rest of the world. Yeah. No one acts different and no one speaks different except for two people, everyone. And I forgot his name. Kirk. Kirk. Yeah. Kirk, Kirk, Kurt, whatever it might be. Kirk. I think that's kind of you were right. Yeah. It drives me insane. It's it's like it's like watching someone talk to a different version of themselves, but an entire town of it. Anyway. Yeah, no, it's a terrible show. I mean, I'm not trying to say it's a good show. But it's like it's, a CW Aaron Sorkin show. Yeah. It's like it's, that's the way I would think about it. Absolutely. I just <laughs> That you none of that is wrong, um, but it's for me. I do need to have a moment where I can. You need an outlet that has very little, very low stakes. It's like when even when I'm rereading Harry Potter these days, it's all about fighting fascism. Like I know what's going to happen. I know literally nothing matters, and I just want to not think about <laughs> things for a while. You would- <laughs> You would be surprised how into The Bachelor everyone I worked with in the last newsroom I was in was. I, I'm i not surprised. It's like, <laughs> I, I, I under, and I've, I don't watch The Bachelor, but I understand now why people do. It's like, when the stakes of your, when the stakes in your life, when your work is stressful in this way, it's just really helpful to have something that matters not at all. That's that's very true. Yes. So yeah, it's a it's a challenge for me, but I'm 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 mission driven at this point, right. um, and that helps. And communication has always been something that you have done mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. And I want to quickly I want to quickly talk about how we first met because <laughs> um, I love this story. I was at South by Southwest, and <laughs> yes. it was one of the first days or the the day before the the festival really started. And I thought I was being so clever and smart by that I was going to get my badge early, whatever it was. So I jump on what I thought is the is the end of the line, and I wait. And then I strike up a conversation with the woman behind me and her mother. I guess they showed up in line 
after I did, you know, whatever they, they were five minutes after me, two minutes after me, whatever it was, I, I was breezing through the line. I thought I was really smart. And then, so it turns out you told me that I cut you in line and there was thousands of people behind you, Yes, but you are, <laughs> but you are su- such a nice person that at no point did you say this? Like it was a problem. It was just like, I don't even think you told me. I just realized what I had done. <laughs> Looking behind me. Oh, man, a lot of people got in line, huh? No, they've been here for hours. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's how we met. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I can't recommend enough um, cutting the, the badge line at South by Southwest um, because you never know who you'll meet. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's turned into this long friendship. <laughs> so yes. well, so well done. Yeah, um, uh, nailed it. Uh, yeah. So, so, like I was saying, you've always been this communicator. At the time, you were promoting the Lillian's Test Kitchen videos that you were making, and you've also grown since then. Lillian's Test Kitchen came out of, uh, quite frankly, to me, an amazing amount of food allergies that you have. Thank you. Um, just a, it, it's staggering. Um, it's, yeah, no, it's. And I, I tell anyone that that I talk to that has food allergies and complains, I'm like, listen, I have a friend. I think all she can eat is grass, and even then, she has to avoid some of it. <laughs> Where's the lie? There's... I went. To, I was. So I was presenting at South by Southwest Edu this year. This is the second year I've done it, and what I how I do it now is I make stew. And I freeze it in glass <laughs> containers. And if you if it if it's frozen, they'll let you carry it on. You don't have to check it. Oh my god! So I just bring my own food everywhere I go. I just wanna, I wanna, I wanna picture this for a moment. How how long were you in Texas? Um, like four to five days. How much stew is necessary to? To, to go to Texas for that long. <laughs> a lot of stew. I also bring like protein powder. So like, like, so, and I, I don't eat well while I'm there, but I always remind myself <laughs> that it's impossible to starve to death in this short period of a time. And I am actually consuming calories. So I just have this like mental loop going, just reminding myself not to panic. So the, the, li- the list is, the list is what for the, for the listener that oh doesn't my God. know you? So, Okay. Gluten, grains, dairy, cane sugar, soy. I, na- I now ha- I now can't have nutmeg or olive oil or <laughs> there's, lettuce there's... and mushrooms. And oh. I've recently discovered that I have a weird reaction to fruit. <laughs> there's nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I'm the I eat the your opposite diet. So I eat a lot of uh, meat and potatoes and like sauteed greens and carrots and things but basically like i was sick all week but i was like i don't have potatoes so i dragged myself to the grocery store to buy two bags of potatoes because i was like this will not stand oh boy um i don't go out to any restaurants ever like i've just given up on the whole idea it's like this is just too stressful i'm just gonna eat at home just in case, just in case you didn't, some there are some people I believe that are physically held together and mentally, emotionally, they are they are bonded together by tension and stress. <laughs> and 
nature has provided a certain amount of that to you. Oh, so much. And then you have added as as much as you can, it seems like, to that list as well and that pile as well. You are a diamond because of the <laughs> amount of pressure that exists on you from all sides, from your food, your your the work, the, like the your, the passions and hobby that you that you have and facilitate and the what you submerse yourself in on a regular basis just a diamond it's that is it's, uh, the nicest way anyone could possibly frame that <laughs> <laughs> i am impossible to date <laughs> i make it very difficult i went on a date recently and he's like what can you do and i was like i can walk around and look at art <laughs> hey, that's... And, and that's what we did and it was a lovely date <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> it's like don't expect me to consume anything. I'll br- I'm bringing a bell pepper and some coconut water in my bag. <laughs> also, 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 I have these ice cubes of stew. Yes, I have them in ice cube form. <laughs> oh, <my goodness. laughs> yeah. <laughs> I went. I went to. I traveled with my dad recently, and. I was like, he's like, well, how do we feed you? And I was like, let's just go to the grocery store. I'll get an avocado and some sliced turkey. Just let me loose in the the raw bar and I'll find my way. Yeah. He was like, traveling with you really reduces the cost of food because you can't eat anywhere. So we just get you chips and an avocado (laughs) and some turkey and that's it. And I was like, that's all we're doing. That sounds great. A a meat on meat sandwich. I'm in. Just wrap it around the avocado. Yeah. You're good to go. So, some you, you mentioned you mentioned art, and I, there's well, there's there's something that I do want to get to in the conversation. Um, and it's I, I mean I, I I don't want to be a bummer about it. I don't. Um, <laughs> it's it, it, it they're, they're the things that you do are uplifting um, in general. Uh, I mentioned Lillian's test kitchen, which was and still may be. It's okay. Um, I haven't posted a new video in about a year. I've been making promises. Because I have more go. stuff in the can, but I'm working on another documentary film right now, so it's just not on my list at the moment. So Lillian's Test Kitchen, uh, a video series about you making, and not always successfully, making things in the kitchen. Yes, I um, make other people's recipes for the first time ever on camera. And showing off uh, an astounding apron collection in yeah, the process. I have an entire box that's just aprons. Like, Perfect. It's like it's like over forty aprons. It's excessive. <laughs> well, you, that just means you got to have more videos to to put them out in. <laughs> oh, they've all been in videos. Well, sounds like you need more aprons. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, obviously that is the thing. We all need a collection, and yours is aprons. Mine is aprons. Yes. There are less functional collections. I am looking at a uh, to. No more than six feet away from me, a series of action figures that have no, at this point in their life cycle, they have no appreciable value mm-hmm. and they are taking up space yes. and, and the work that I have to do to maintain them is dusting on a regular <laughs> basis. So these, the aprons serve a purpose. They, these, these, I don't even know if they're making me happy anymore <laughs> well, that's because some... I have to dust them. Yeah. It sounds like it's time for them to go. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll. Things are slowly being put on eBay, very slowly. Yeah. Um, but the thing I want to talk about is art and bravery, which uh, which happens through your inst- happens through your Instagram account at first, and has kind of leaked its way into the real world. Yes. Um, so what what is art and bravery? Again, tackling 
a not easy a bunch of not easy subjects. Well, art and bravery. <laughs> the, the tragedy of Lillian. <laughs> the the art and tragedy. The art and tragedy. Well, it's not so much tragedy as it is on Lillian's test kitchen. I started doing this series called Daily Gratitude. What's it was called? What's your gratitude? Because um, I think I'm very clever. And every day um, for a couple of years, I wrote something about I wrote about something I was grateful for. And it could be music or it was anything. It didn't really matter what it was. I just did it every day and I posted it. I really liked doing a little bit every day because all of the projects I work on take a long time. Editing video takes a long time. I'm working on a documentary right now. I'm still logging and transcribing and it's been almost a year. It's just like... Should note it's your second documentary. Yeah, it's my second documentary. This is about the, the pilot program at Berkeley. So I get to like watch all the ways I didn't do a good job the first time, which is like an emotional weight to the editing process I didn't expect. Um, So then I went through a breakup and I felt like I was just too vulnerable to do something every day in public. I needed a break. I needed needed time off. Um, So I stopped my what's your gratitude. And then um, after a couple of months, I basically found these apps um, that made it possible for me to make little art and I started just writing these like one line or two line poems and then drawing all over it and it was also I could do it every single day it was really fun Um, and it sort of became like an online journal I would say it's it's the most personal art project I I have Um, because I I really take the things that I am struggling with and I'm thinking about and I, I put them out there. But it's really, I mean, I do it for myself. I do it for me. It's to make art and to have it be something I can start and finish in one day is just really helpful for my state of mind. With uh, with YouTube videos, with documentaries, with all of this, mm-hmm. the, the game, these are all long-term projects that, oh, take, yeah. that take a lot of your time, but also take a lot out of you. Yeah. Um, and fin- uh, finishing a project is something we've discussed on the show uh, quite a bit as well. And having something, the, the the pleasure of having something where you can say, I am done with this, mm-hmm. at least for now. I'm done with this as much as I want to be. And it doesn't need to be perfect. That's the thing with, like, I just kind of do them and I put them up. And sometimes I look at them and later I'm like, oh, there's a different design I could have done. Or it would have been better if I had spelled that word correctly. But like, <laughs> it's a few of those. But like, it also, the point isn't for it to be perfect. The point is it, the point is just for me just to finish something and to express something that feels true. To not hold it in anymore, basically. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> exactly. So there's a, I, I get to express a lot of ambivalence, which I think is a difficult Ambivalence is a difficult emotion to for me to deal with. Um, I like to I prefer to know what I want, and I when I feel kind of wishy washy about it, or when I feel like all ways about it, I I can tie myself in knots. So it helps me to just express it, and then I can be like, well, I did one thing today. So even if I just logged and transcribed ten minutes of footage, at least I also did this. Chris in episode two also just. Dis- described the, the the feeling that he has of doing something for his business every day um whether it, any no matter what it is completing completing a task 
for some of some variety. Uh, and I think there's a there's a pleasure that you can take in that of kind of like, you know, hanging your hat on the day of saying like, nope, I definitely did something today. Uh, it doesn't nothing feels like uh, I was just you know running on a treadmill, basically. Yeah. And a and lot there's... of work feels that way to me. A lot of important work that you have to do, like the just maintenance for a business or like or like dealing with your health insurance. Like these are things you have to do. You spend all day on the phone. Um, but at the end of the day, I'll just kind of feel like, well, I did nothing. Because I, for some reason, don't count. In my head, I don't count all of those things, even though they are real work. So it's helpful for me to make something that looks the way I feel. Everything that we're talking about, there's a want from your side that I'm mm-hmm. sensing from this. You you want to have these conversations through your privileges showing. You want to get this art out through you and even um there will always be more projects than we can discuss the the documentary about horses that you that you put together and which is wonderful and we'll link in the show notes of this episode and you'll be able to find the you'll be able to find it posted on the adult nerd.com there's something about that as well of just that you the the sense of it is that you wanted to get this out you wanted Mm -hmm. to this to be known and that want to push is an important desire to embrace. Uh, you know, through through this show, I I had a want to basically to start off. I had a want to interview some of my fascinating friends and have a conversation that you don't normally have just with someone that you're friends with mm-hmm. in general. You know, we, we wouldn't have gone so far into some of these topics. Or it would have seemed a little odd to just be like, hey, let's let me let me poke and prod you for an hour uh, and we'll we'll figure out what comes out of it. Yeah. Um, or we'll just walk away and keep going about our days. Yeah. Um, there's a strong want that happens. And I think that uh, in your case, it's really interesting to see the passion behind that want to push and that want to push people, that want to push emotion, that want to push art, and, and just kind of, no matter kind of how it feels to do so, um, because of the importance of that to you. I'm happiest generally when I'm making things. I, when I, when I was living in New York, I was acting, and that's what I got my degree in. And the thing that was hardest for me about acting was the lack of agency. I felt in my life. I was waiting for someone else to choose me. And then when they chose me, I was saying the words that they had written and the way that they wanted me to say them. And I hate that, man. Like, I I don't want to do that anymore. I want to have more agency and control in my life. I want to make the things that I care about. And And I realized at a certain point that I had things to say I had questions I wanted to ask, and it seemed like a waste to continue to not say them and ask them. The the topics that you are that you're tackling are not easy. Most people wouldn't consider them polite. No, they're uh, not polite. But I've <laughs> but I've become less and less polite, which has been interesting. I'm I, I'm I'm enjoying that because I'm I'm a natural. I was being an actor. You're basically trained to be a people pleaser, and Training myself to not people please, I think, has been one of the best things I could do. I mean, the discipline for me with the game 
and with Art and Bravery and with Lillian's Test Kitchen, I think, is around different topics is like asking the obvious questions and how hard that is to do. And for Lillian's Test Kitchen, it's like these are just muffins and it's really hard to start to figure out how to feed yourself when food has punished you for so long. It takes an average 12 to 14 years to get a, di- a food allergy diagnosis. So there are people who have lived, you know, the majority of their lives with food hurting them. And so you develop a lot of really terrible, uh, a bad relationship with food. Uh, and to work through that takes work and it takes humility and it takes courage. And so I wanted to acknowledge that and also help people feel safe and brave to start. And with the game, I want people to feel safe and brave to start. And I think with art and bravery, it's just, that's for me as a reminder. It's a reminder for me, like to make this personal and feel safe enough to be brave. So speaking of all of your projects, speaking of art and bravery, Lillian's test kitchen, your privilege is showing all of these. If someone wants to find them, how can they do so? Well, um, so Your Privilege is Showing is at yourprivilegeisshowing.com. There is also a Facebook page if you want to just be overwhelmed with terrible news. All I do is, <laughs> right, is post. <laughs> I just post things that are happening that are terrible. Art and Bravery is at my Instagram account, which is at Lillian Medville. Lillian is with three L's in total, and Medville is M-E-D-V-I-L-L-E. And Lillian's Test Kitchen is on both YouTube and I have a website I haven't updated in a while. So they're all different places. But if you want to see all of the work I do, you can go to LillianMedville.com and I have links to all of these things there. I have so many websites. (laughs) (laughs) I know it. I know it. It's just three right now, but I realized I was looking at how many, how much money I spend on domains right now because I'm doing my taxes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my God, so much money on domains. It's not, uh, not a small amount. No. Yeah. <laughs> Significant. It adds up. There was a, there was a time where I would, at, I would, if I wanted to, to play an inside joke with a friend, I would, during a conversation, I would like surreptitiously buy a domain on my phone and forward it to a website and, uh, and then bring it up in the conversation like five minutes later to be like, uh-huh. oh, well, you know that this whatever. I think it was like uh, one of them was with my my wife. We were having a conversation and she made a joke. I think it was about reallygreatboyfriend.com when we were dating. <laughs> oh and so while we were texting, I like jumped on, bought it and then forwarded it to like oh, just a photo of me. Oh, that's and I, and I was like, I was like, well, you know, that is a website, right? And she's like, no, get out. And I was like, no, no, look check it out it was an expensive jo- one-time joke however that's, worth it that's phenomenal <laughs> i have owned for one for for two years i have owned both fearvomit.com oh boy and <laughs> and another one that's pertaining to vomit like i don't know what i'm gonna do with these mm-hmm. but the, i just saw them and i was like i thought of it and as i looked it up and i was like that's i can't let this go <laughs> for, al- for almost a decade i owned your body is changing.com <laughs> Yes. <laughs> That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. And I did nothing with it, but I owned it. Oh, man. Yeah. I. Ha- <laughs> yes. 
I'm glad that you understand this. Absolutely. I think it's a struggle. I think it's a struggle. And I'll continue to say it's a struggle until some domain registrar uh, sponsors the show. And then I will say that everyone should have their own domain name. Sure. But until that day, it is a, it is a problem that needs to be addressed socially amongst <laughs> us all. 